As you turn to 772, it is good to assemble tonight to be reminded of a wonderful passage in Acts 2 and verse 47. Through the preaching of the gospel, the Bible said of those that obeyed the gospel, those that were walking according to their newborn faith in Jesus Christ, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The preaching of the gospel brought forth the church of our Lord as we will see momentarily and how thankful we are for the gospel message. I appreciate Brother Sean's uh, words about our work at International Gospel Hour from Monty's Prayer. It was several years ago, my probably more close to 20 now, that the late Winford Claiborne, who was our speaker at the time and director and good work, spoke at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville. And he shared a letter he received from a serviceman in Iraq. And it was from Monty. And how Monty appreciated the International Gospel Hour as he was stationed there and they could listen to Brother Claiborne worldwide on internet. How blessed we are for the open doors the Lord has granted us through International Gospel Hour. Not only the radio that I've mentioned and our television and the app for your phone, but if you are into podcast listening, we're blessed to be on over 40 different podcast platforms that people can, whatever they use, uh, whatever podcast platform they choose, they can put International Gospel Hour in the search engine and they can listen to our broadcast worldwide. We are amazed at the places that have tuned in. We looked at a map one time and there were red dots all over the map and we were wondering what is the appeal in Brazil. People were listening to us in Brazil, in Russia, and the open doors the Lord has granted. Along that line, we, we recognize and appreciate our past and when I think of Brother V.E. Howard and his work and Brother Winford Claiborne, whom I probably would say that we're more familiar with Brother Claiborne than we would be with Brother Howard or maybe with Brother Apple, my immediate predecessor. But recently we made available all of Winford's material, his books that he has written or he had written in PDF form. And right now they are about to be distributed throughout Asia. Through the work of Jonathan Burns and his digital uh, Bible study, his work that he does, the digital mission work actually, and how thankful we are. Well, when I shared that with Mark Posey who works with the Brethren of the Ukraine, he said, can we translate them into Russian? And then Brother Eddie Bull, one of the elders that oversees polishing the pulpit with the Midway congregation in Jasper, Alabama, said, I go to Romania. Can we translate it in Romania? Now, I automatically look up and say, yes, you can. But then when I'm asked a question like that, the country boy comes out in me and I want to look. When people say, can we do that? I want to look and say, does a hog glove slop? You better believe you can. And today, brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a way to reach the world unlike any way before through media worldwide. And we use it promptly and use it well. 
And so if you're into podcasts, you've got a certain place you listen, you download, please tune in, listen to International Gospel Hour. It doesn't matter the age you might be. Some people will come up and say, Brother Archie, I don't, I don't know how all that podcast and stuff works. Listen, no matter what your age is, you can learn this. I had an elder in the church in his 70s last year said, I didn't know you were on Stitcher. And that's one of the podcast platforms, Stitcher. He said, I didn't know you were on Stitcher, Jeff. He said, I download, 70, in his 70s, I download all my music from Stitcher. I thought, hmm, download music. He's in his 70s. Got to be a classic rocker, do you suppose? Just a thought. <laughs> Folks, the joy of the Lord's church to come together, to be together tonight. How thankful we are. And I want to talk about the church of our Lord tonight. Because... Your family matters, and the church matters for your family. You know, we began Sunday morning talking about families communicating, delegating, calculating, and educating, growing as families. We talked about the daddies and the husbands. We talked about the mamas and the wives. We talked about the children last night. You put it all together. You take a husband, a daddy, a mama, a wife, a child, you put it all together and you wrap the church around them and let them wrap themselves around the blood-bought institution, the Lord's church, you will find a family that is thriving, a family that is growing, a family that will bind together stronger and stand against the troubles of this life. The Lord's church indeed. Do you remember those of you with me on Sunday morning when we talked about the survey that I did years ago that prompted a lot of this material? And one comment made was this. It seems everything we do revolves around the church and we would not have it any other way. Oh, I like that. Everything we do revolves around the church and we would not have it any other way. What a great joy. What a joy tonight to look in this audience and to see children with parents and with grandparents. What a joy tonight to see you in assembly and to know your family matters because of the church. When families are involved in the church, then the church will be involved and will let its light shine through families. Tonight what I'm going to bring forth is nothing new. It doesn't have to be new. Because when God brings it forth, it doesn't have to be something new to bring forth. But when you bring it forth, it is as new as when God had it in His mind before time began. Tonight would you consider with me, your family matters because the church matters for your family. Let's talk about the church as God's scheme of redemption. I want you to think with me what many preachers have preached, the four P's. Would you notice with me from Ephesians 3 verses 10 and 11, the purpose, the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The church was not an afterthought when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. The church was not an afterthought and there are people today that do not think Jesus got his work done because there are multitudes preaching. He will come back and set his kingdom up on this earth. 
His kingdom is already on this earth as we will see through as the church of our Lord. Notice again Ephesians 3, 10 and 11. The manifold wisdom of God, the proven, the brought forth wisdom of God, brought forth according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Purpose from God, number two, prophesied of the prophets of old. While there is Isaiah in Isaiah 2 verses 1 through 3 who would let us know in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house would be established in the top of the mountains shall be exalted before the hills or above the hills. All nations shall flow unto it. Many people shall go and say come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Check out those last two lines on the screen there. For out of Zion go forth the law, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Brother Blake, if you will, let's go to the New Testament. Did Isaiah know what he was talking about? Without a doubt. He was inspired of God, the prophet of old said. It would come forth from Jerusalem. Notice Luke 24, 44 through 47, when Jesus was speaking to the apostles. And he reminded them of the things which must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and the Psalms concerning him. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Verse 46, Thus he said to them, Thus it is written, And thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. My, my, is that not what Isaiah said? He said, You are witnesses of these things to His apostles, and I send the promise of my Father upon you, but you tarry, you wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high, and the account does not end. When you take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the good news, and the good news is brought forth in action, you get the book of Acts to where they bring forth, and they're preaching the gospel. And they're at Jerusalem. They're waiting at Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 2, every nation under heaven gathered in Jerusalem, came as Jews and proselytes, and they're going to be heading home as disciples of Christ. They are going to hear the gospel preached, and when they were pricked in the heart, and they were hit with the preaching of the gospel, and how they had crucified the Lord Jesus Christ, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 37, and then what did Peter and the apostles preach? In Jerusalem, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. When they did that in Acts 2 and verse 41, they were added to the church, Acts 2 and verse 47. Take a look carefully. What did Jesus say in verse 47 of Luke 24? Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And lo and behold, about 40 some odd days afterward, Peter and the apostles brought it, they preached it, and they obeyed it. The person, the purpose, 
and the prophecy. How come they were able to preach and add people to the church? They did not add people to a denominational body. The church is the pre-denominational body of Christ. It is the church from the scripture, the only church we have authority in which to proclaim and to point others toward his church. Because Jesus said he promised to build it. How about Matthew 16, 18, and 19 when he told Peter, when Peter made the confession, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I say unto you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. He was not going to build that church upon Peter. Because Peter, although it is a word, Cephas stone, we understand it's a different meaning of a word rock. Peter, small pebble, rock on this rock, solid foundation. And it's amazing that he is speaking this there on the coast of Caesarea Philippi, a stone-built rock, solid area, even to this day. They understood foundations. They understood he would build his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There is no way that will be stopped. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What do we have so far? Things that we know. God purposed it in Christ. The prophets brought it forth. Jesus said it would be and built upon his promise. And the fourth P, he purchased it. It, it is his church. In Acts 20 and verse 28, speaking there to the elders at Ephesus. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd or feed the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Dear friends, you put all that together and what do you have? You have the purpose of God. You have the prophets of old the promise of Christ, and the purchase of the church that stands to this day because the church matters to God. Your family matters. And when you embrace with your family the church of our Lord that God has brought forth, stop and think with me. God created the family unit. God created the church unit, if you will. And when both blend together, they respond as God would have them to. And they're able to deal with the things in life that comes before them. Praise be to God for His scheme of redemption. And how thankful we are. You see, we don't have to, I, I got to tell you church, growing up in the church, it's all I've ever known. I do have an issue when there are people that think, and I read this sometimes. We as elders have gathered together and we have prayed and pondered this situation and we have rethought this position and we have. And I'm going to tell you folks, when brethren start rethinking positions, you better look out. We don't need to rethink what God has already thought out. We need to believe in what God provides. And you give me any mama, any daddy, any child that will embrace the simplicity and the beauty of the Lord's church, that is a family that will matter to this world. Oh, dear friends, we don't need to rethink what God has thought out because God has already done it. Or as I, used to, or as I say, we need to do less thinking and more faithing. 
And if you say, Brother Archer, there's not a word, it's faithing. It is now. We need to be believing what God brings forth. His scheme of redemption, His church, which brings us to second. The scheme of redemption and the salvation that's in the church. I love Acts 4, verses 10 through 12. There's Peter and John. They're standing there. There's that man that they raised up in chapter 3. He's walking. He's healing. There's the government authorities that are there. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This was the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Brethren and friends, that is pretty plain. You cannot get any plainer than that. You need help to misunderstand it. That salvation from sin is only in the Christ and it is in none other. And if we are in Jesus Christ where there is salvation, then we are also in His church which is His body. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. When there are individuals that will say, Give me Jesus, but not the church. You know why they say that? Because they want to live any way they want to live and they don't want to get out of the bed on Sunday morning to go worship with God's people. That's why. That's the first and foremost answer. Give me Jesus but not the church. Friends, that's not biblical. Give me Jesus and not the church is not biblical. An individual cannot find that within the scripture for if you take Jesus and not the church, you are separating the head from the body and it's not going to survive. I do not like snakes. Three things that I detest. Snakes, cancer, and Alzheimer's. Detest all three. I do not like snakes. To me, I don't want people to come up. Now, Brother Archie, they are good snakes. If you get close enough and you see the shape of their head. Look, I'm not going to interview a snake. The last time a snake was interviewed, look at the mess we got into in Genesis chapter 3. I'm not going to interview a snake. To me, the only good snake is a dead snake. Period. Now, Brother Archie, no, wait a minute. You'd kill a black snake? Well, if he's over yonder, no, I'll leave him be. But if he wants to come around me, he better give his soul to the Lord because he knows what's going to happen. Now, when you kill a snake, where do you aim? If you can separate that head from the body, you've got your job done. But tragically today, there are people that want to separate Jesus from the church. Oh, that old boy stands up in that fine building in Houston, Texas. Got on Larry King Live years ago, Mr. Joel Austin. Asked him a question, can people be saved outside of Jesus? He started giving all kinds of answers started backpedaling. I have no problem looking at a camera and say the only way one can be saved is in Christ and in His church. That is the only way because that's what the Bible says. I have no problem with that because that's what the Bible teaches. 
And when we have those that say, give me Jesus, but not the church, it will not work. Now, let's strengthen this from this standpoint. When you take the scripture, whatever you find in Jesus Christ, you will also find in his church. There's no exception. There are about 80 or so New Testament passages that has the phrase in Christ and in every instance everything mentioned pertaining to being in Christ is in the church of Jesus Christ. It's in His body. When one gets into Christ, one gets into the church, it is the same. When one gets into the church, they are in the body of Christ. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 and Colossians 1, 18. It's as simple when an individual hears the gospel message, the good news, and they hear the gospel message, Romans 10 and verse 14. They heard the preaching of the gospel, those in Corinth in Acts the 18th chapter, to where later Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 4 of the preaching that they had heard, the preaching that they had obeyed, the preaching in which they stand, if they kept in memory what they believed, individual needs to hear the gospel. Number two, individual has to believe what they hear. For from hearing moves one into faith. Romans 10, we go back there, verses 13 through 17, and especially verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. When I hear, I must believe. Now, there's much more than just say, I believe. I can line up a lot of people who will say, I believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, but yet their faith does not respond. The person that says, give me Jesus, but not the church, they have a very shallow belief in Christ, so as they say, give me Jesus, but true biblical faith moves us to where we can change. That's repentance. Jesus commanded it in Luke 13, 3 and 5. We see Peter preached it and the apostles in Acts 2, verse 38. Later, we're reminded in, in Acts 3, 19. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of the refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Paul stands on Mars Hill and says, Repent. The times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commands men everywhere to repent. Repent is a sweet word, a change of decision, responding or resulting in a change of direction. Isn't it amazing how they were pricked in their hearts on the day of Pentecost? And Peter says you can change your hearts and then baptism cleanse that heart. Amen. What a beautiful thought. How about the confession of Christ as Jesus commanded in Matthew 10, 32? As we note that eunuch in Acts 8 and verse 37. And then through the New Testament, how many people were baptized and they were baptized into Christ? Galatians 3, 27. And Romans 6, verses 4 through 6, how when Paul said, going back to verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into, there it is again, into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should be raised to walk in newness of life. The beauty of that newness to be saved, Mark 16 and verse 16, 1 Peter 3, 21. 
You see, when we do this, we are placed in Christ. We are placed within His church. And one must remain in Christ and remain faithful. Oh, I love 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. They're new. They remain new as we walk, renewing ourselves as Paul taught in Ephesians 4, 21 through 24, renewing in the spirit of our mind, putting on that new man, we become God's people in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. There's neither bond nor free. There's not slave or free, male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. Neither Jew nor Greek. All the spiritual blessings that are in the heavenly places are in Christ. Ephesians 1 and verse 3. Now folks, considering all of that understanding in a family. If all of the family obedient to the gospel and added to his church. What a joy that we could be like that family from the illustration, the survey, everything we do revolves around the church. Are you spending time with your family talking about the beauty of obeying the gospel? Are you talking with them? Are you talking with your children, your grandchildren when those doors open and talk with them about the beauty of obeying the gospel? Have you ever talked about it with your spouse? You know, it can be something just as simple as talking about the good things that the people of God are doing to start of a conversation. It was in 2003 when the beloved bride and I finally found the house we were going to move into in Cleveland, Tennessee. That was house number 38 we looked at. House 38. We're still there 20 years later. You're saying, why in the world did you look at so many houses? May I give you all an uninspired scripture? If mama ain't happy, nobody happy. And when the beloved bride said she wanted X... The groom was going to make sure she got it. And it's worked out great. It's worked out wonderful. It was on a Saturday morning. I looked out back. My neighbor's out back. I hollered, hi, your neighbor. Long story short, Joe and Sandy Craft had been out of the Lord's church for over 30 years. Providence of God. That door opened. And I'll tell you, the approach, not to paint a halo on my head, but folks, I'm going to tell you, if you approach people, you need to get back into church, you are not going to get them. If you say, y'all need to get yourself right, you're not going to get them. You're just, you're just, you're just aggravating them. But if you try this, you know, the other day we had a contribution to help those folks in India. And you talk about things that are positive. And I knew with Brother Kraft, I knew that there was no way to come strong-armed on him. It wasn't going to work. So I started talking about the church. And then one Sunday night, I look up, and there's Joe and Sandy sitting there. I can remember the night they responded to the Lord's invitation. 
Love them dearly. Friends, talk with your family. Now, you may have a husband, a wife. You may have a son or a daughter. Don't try the same approach. Those of you that have little ones at home, talk to them. When there's a baptism, make sure they can stand up wherever you sit and let them see it and explain to them what's going on. Talk with them. Tell them. Let them learn and let them grow. Let them see. Because there's nothing more beautiful than the Lord's church. It was in God's scheme of redemption, His purpose and all. And salvation is in the church. And your family matters. And the church matters. Would you consider something with me, number three? How the church matters, your family matters, not only because of God's scheme of redemption and the salvation in the church, but how about when we look from Acts chapter 2 on, the service that is rendered within the church. Now, let's take the family. Let's take a look here. Let's put the family together. You've got husband, daddy, wife, mama, children that are of understanding, obey the gospel, and they are added to the church. We've got that. And within the church, we want to be servants. The church is not a place where we come to have it done unto us. It is a place where we come to grow that we can go out and do unto the world. You see, if we have ourselves that, well, this is done for me, we're missing it. See, worship is not done for you. Worship is what we do together in offering praise to God. That's what we do. We sing together. Singing instructs. We pray together. Prayer comforts. Prayer requests. When we remember our Lord's death on the Lord's Day with the Lord's Supper. When we're able to give as we have been prospered. And may I say to you, church, you, you all must prosper very well. Looking at your bulletin board, the works that you do, it is amazing what you do. God bless you for that. Keep on keeping on. The reverence in the preaching of the gospel, the desire to know more. And as your attention has been so good, think about the service of your family. See, now you're in Christ and you're going to grow together. May I submit to you, how about how the love of Christ will grow your family? Look at 2 Corinthians 5 verses 14 and 15. For the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And if he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So we're living for God. Our life is in Christ, Colossians 3 verse 1. That we 
are crucified with Christ, nevertheless we live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me, Galatians 2.20. We live a life because of the love of Christ that compels us. Let's do a little definition work. Last, next to last word, top line, compel. To hold together. To confine, to secure. The love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels the husband. The love of Christ compels the daddy, the mama, the wife, the children. Therefore, the love of Christ compels the family. It holds together, secures. Another definition when you dig in that word means to arrest. To arrest any hold lest it fall to pieces or something fall away from it. It holds together the love of Christ. Arrest us. We're not going anywhere. It holds the family together. And it keeps us together lest we fall to pieces. When the family comes together, and a family that will grow as servants in that love and that strength of Christ, is a family that will stay together because the family matters, friends. How about the love for the kingdom of God from Matthew 6.33, seeking first the kingdom of God, the love for the kingdom, the church. You see, it's in God's scheme of redemption. We are saved, salvation in the church. Now as servants, we are in the kingdom Friends, the kingdom, I know all the battles in Israel have brought up questions left and right. I have seen more religious people take off to Matthew 24, which is not applicable. That's the destruction of Jerusalem. I have seen this, that, and another. He's going to come back. He's going to set up his kingdom. Friends, listen. The kingdom was set up. On the day of Pentecost as his church, he is the head, he is the king, king of kings, lord of lords, 1 Timothy 6.15. And in 1 Corinthians 15.24, when he comes back, the kingdom is not coming down, the kingdom is going up. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready to go home. I'm ready for something better. The love for the kingdom of God, for the church, for the family. I'm going to tell you, how can I put this? When you all dismiss, folks, y'all need to go home. I'm just kidding. I looked at that clock last night. Y'all had me here to 10 after 9. Now, come on, y'all. On a serious note, <laughs> in a hotel room by myself, Standing around Center Grove, <laughs> that's a slam dunk. You know what I'm going to pick. But I couldn't believe it. It was great. Now, I know there's one or two out there. Well, the reason we were here late is because you preached long. Okay, I'll take that. Okay, point well taken. But I'm not keeping you here. But it's the love for the church. Let's flow this right in. Love of Christ, love of His church. Well, obviously, how about this one? Love of one another. Brother Blake, John, 4, John 13, if you will. When Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. There is something of that love, that relationship of the church that you absolutely treasure. 
By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. 37 times in the New Testament is that term one another. And immediately one will note with the one another's, there are things that grow, there are relationships that are enhanced, there's fellowship, there's interaction, one another. And the fellowship afterward, as long as you can do it, that's wonderful. And the fellowship and that growing in love. And dear friends, listen to me, you can't one another by yourself. When Jesus taught us love one another, there is an interaction. I treasure meeting time and going to places that I haven't been before or been in a long time. I love seeing Monty come through the door tonight. I treasure my friendship with Monty. Earlier I'm eating, tapped on the shoulder by my precious daughter in the faith, Lori Morris, that lives up on around Livingston and to see Lori, how Renita and I treasure Lori and her family. To see Brother Draper over here and, and enjoying the meal last week at his house. And by the way, Steve, side note here, it's not in the outline. Please tell Melissa that after that slab of chocolate pie, my A1C number was 5.6. Tell her well done. Thank you. And then to get to know all of you this week. It's a true joy. Folks, I'm going to tell you, loving one another, the Lord's church laboring together, the Lord's church is the best thing happening. People talk about re, uh, responding to community. Community this, the importance of community. Well, where have you been, world? Jesus had that in mind, or God did with His scheme of redemption, with the salvation that's in Christ, what Christ brought forth. And as we are laboring together one another, we press onward as soldiers in the army of God, guaranteed not to splinter, split, bust, rust, or break. And we have among us a fellowship that no one else can touch. And a fellowship that should grow and a fellowship that responds with another precious love. And that is the love for the lost with the gospel. If the church doesn't take it, who will? If we don't bring it, who will? Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. How in the first century that the gospel went into all the world, Colossians 1.23. And today, you carry forth the gospel throughout the world. You carry forth with your work, your labors, what you do in the kingdom, what we do in the kingdom with International Gospel Hour. We're able to carry forth the gospel to all the world and there is no limit to what God will bring forth and there is no boundaries upon His word, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 9. You see, friends, the church matters because of the service that your family will render. You're growing in Christ. You're maturing in Christ. The love of Christ compels, holds you together. You love His church. You love one another. You love teaching the gospel. When I arrived tonight, Brother Bill took me back in the room of all the Bible correspondence courses, all the options that are there, the teaching that can be done. There are people that are asking. 
we receive a response at International Gospel Hour, the last figure that I looked, about one response every 20 or so hours daily. Somebody's asking for something, they're listening, they're downloading, people are looking. People want the simplicity of the gospel message. Never underestimate your love for the gospel. You're giving uh, as I say, your well-giving of your funds, but the giving of yourselves to teach someone the gospel of Christ, to sit down one-on-one -on -one and to teach them the gospel and bring them to Jesus Christ. There's no greater joy because you see, the church matters and your family matters because God has brought forth for you the church and the church of which you could be a part. It is a few moments ago that I brought forth within the salvation of Christ, God's beautiful plan of salvation. If one simply obeys the gospel of Jesus Christ through hearing and believing Jesus Christ, and may that faith move you to confess Christ, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Repenting of your sins and being baptized into Christ, adding you to His church this very night. Have you been thinking about it for a while? Have you been thinking about it this week? Have you been pondering and thinking about, I need to obey the gospel of Christ and I put this off long enough? Tonight is your night to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. And dear brother, dear sister, dear mama, daddy, husband, wife, so on, are you really allowing the church to matter in your life? Can your wife see it? Can your children see it, husband? Can your husband see it? Can your children see it, mama? Children, are you honest and loving to your parents and obedient? Can they see Christ in you? Could it be that you need prayers on your behalf because your family matters?